This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Go 24-7 podcast. Thanks for listening. We're going to do a little draft day edition of the podcast breaking down LSU's players in the NFL draft, which begins on Thursday, runs until Saturday. And LSU has a chance, of course, with the number one overall pick, Joe Burrow, and to have a record-setting three-day draft uh, as the NFL looks to take this thing virtually. We'll see how that all goes. But I'm Billy Ambody, and with me to break it down, CBS Sports draft analyst Josh Edwards. Josh, thanks for the time today. Absolutely, man. We're a couple days away here, so things are starting to get pretty real. But uh, I don't know about you. I'm actually a little surprised the NFL didn't expand this a little bit more and make it more of um, the spectacle that they love to make things because it starts Thursday and ends Saturday. We don't have anything else going on right now. They could theoretically make this a four-plus-day event, and I don't think anybody would have an issue with it. (laughs) That's a great point. I was looking at it. I'm down here in Florida right now, kind of waiting this thing out. And I looked at the start time for the eight o'clock first round. And I'm like, man, we're not going to be done until midnight, 1 a.m. when it's all said and yeah. done. It's like get, it's like getting that prime time Saturday night game. And you're just saying, oh, no, I'm going to be there until 2 a.m. But it's going to be fun. I wish I wish they would have extended it uh, a couple days as well and, and tried to move things out. But it's going to start fast for LSU. Joe Burrow expected to be the number one overall pick. To Cincinnati, do you see that changing at all? Do you see them making a move that might uh, cause their fan base to to burn down the stadium? No, I can understand the argument that maybe Miami has enough picks to make an appealing offer. Um, Mike Brown is fairly stubborn in the way that he conducts business, so I, I don't think that they're going to trade out of that pick. I think it's even more appealing that, that Joe Burrow is an Ohio native Um, you know, originally from Athens. So I think that appeals to him, not only to be able to have a franchise face, but have a guy that's from the state that has this deeper connection with fans already in um, the state of Ohio. So I think that's a really strong pull for them. In fact, I would be pretty irritated if they take more than, you know, five minutes of their 10 minutes on the clock. (laughs) Yeah, And, and he'll go right to work knowing Joe Burrow and just how he wants to approach this thing. He's been training to be the number one pick in the first uh, week one starter uh, for for the Bengals. And do you think that's a reasonable thing with Andy Dalton looking like he's still going to be there next year for him to just come right in and start? Absolutely. I think, When this is all said and done, that's probably going to be their only realistic possibility. I think Andy Dalton has kind of made it clear recently that if the team does decide to take a quarterback, he would prefer to be given the opportunity to seek employment elsewhere um, and to be able to get a fresh start and compete for a potential starting position. I don't know how many of those opportunities uh, are left in the NFL. Maybe he goes to a, a team like Jacksonville or New England, depending on what they do in the draft. But um, I think this, the way this story probably ends between Dalton and Cincinnati 
is either in a release or a trade of some sorts. I don't think it would take much to acquire him in a trade either. So I think I think the runway is going to be clear for Joe Burrow when he does get to Cincinnati. Ryan Finley is clearly not going to apply any sort of competition. I mean, we kind of saw what he was capable of doing last year. So unless he takes a significant leap forward, um, I think they're going to be forced to kind of throw Joe Burrow in, into the fire immediately and just kind of allow him to develop. But I do think that they start to value the offensive line unit. I think they're actually going to invest in that unit a little bit more heavily uh, this offseason. They, they've got Jonah Williams coming back, um, which I know it sounds weird to have a, a former Crimson Tide player blocking for a, for a Tiger, <laughs> but uh, that's the reality of the situation. And, and I wouldn't be surprised if they went right tackle at the top of the second round either. So um, lots of opportunity to surround him with talent. They've already got Joe Mixon. They've got A.J. Green. They've got Tyler Boyd. So they've got weapons. If they can strengthen that offensive line unit, he's actually not walking into a bad situation. What What is your expectation level for Burrow as a, as a year one starter in the NFL? I think you have to be realistic. Uh, I know we've seen some pretty spectacular rookie seasons from, from Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray in recent years. Um, at the same time, I don't think, I don't think this is going to be a playoff team. Um, you know, he may be able to play well enough to earn Pro Bowl recognition because, you know, six other quarterbacks decide they're not going to play in the in the Pro Bowl because of, you know, playoff work or just deciding they don't want to take part in that opportunity. Uh, also, we don't we don't know what this season's going to look like with with COVID-19. But um, Joe Burrow, I mean, he he has all the talent in the world, but I think you have to be realistic with your expectations of a rookie quarterback. I mean, Patrick Mahomes didn't even play really his his rookie season. Um, they had a competent backup ahead of him, and that's why. Uh, but I think he really benefited from being able to sit and learn. And then you see Baker Mayfield when teams finally started to adjust to him as a as a sophomore, so to speak. He was slowed down a little bit. So there's going to be a learning curve in the NFL. I think Joe Burrows is probably a little bit smaller because he is has been so exposed to the SEC this past year. Um, he's seen a lot of talent, so there's there's not going to be as much of an adjustment for him because he makes reads so quickly. But you have to also have to consider he's going to be in a new offense. This is not going to be Joe Brady's offense. Um, I would have loved to see them hire Joe Brady and, and kind of continue building their relationship. But uh, the reality is that this is going to be a new offense. It's going to take some time for for him to get to know his teammates, get on the same page with everybody. We don't know what if they're going to have training camp, I mean, if he doesn't have training camp, it's going to be difficult for him to get on the same page in terms of route anticipation and, and all that kind of stuff. So there's a lot of variables. I, w- I would expect, you know, he has a solid season, but probably nothing spectacular. And as far as expectations, LSU expected to be right there to challenge for the top number of first round draft picks with the guys like Caleb on Chasson, Justin Jefferson, Christian Fulton, Grant Delpit, maybe even Clyde Edwards, Alaire, Patrick queen. How do you see the first round playing out for LSU? And do they have enough guys in that mix to, to take that top spot in first round picks? I see three certainties, obviously Joe Burrow being one of them. Um, Caleb on, I've been one of his biggest cheerleaders dating back to September, October, I know he's had some injury issues, but at the same time, I don't know how anybody could look at the tape and not see the talent that he that he offers. I mean, he's 
solid in coverage. He's, you know, really good off the edge. So I'm comfortable with him being taken in the top half of the first round if the team decides to do that. But I think he's going to land comfortably in the first round. And then Justin Jefferson, again, I was probably higher on him earlier than most. I was touting him as the fourth best receiver in this class before the combine because you see his ability to make plays down the field. Um, he's elusive after the catch. You know, he's, he's got what you look for in that position. So I don't think there's a way that he gets out of the, the first round. He's clearly cemented himself as, um, you know, one of the top four receivers in this class in my eyes. And then you kind of have some guys that, you know, probably they'll, they'll be close. Patrick Queen, I think, is the next most likely, um, you know, one of those smaller modern-day NFL linebackers. There's a lot of teams in the back half of the first round that, that need some linebacker help, whether it's the Titans, the Ravens, um, you know, possibly the Patriots, the Saints. There's a lot of teams that need a, a linebacker in that part of the draft. Grant Delpit, not as many teams need a safety in that part of the draft. And I think, you know, he could possibly slide out of the first round. But I still think that he's a first round talent. Um, he was dealing with a high ankle sprain this, this past year, and we saw what he was capable of doing in 2018 and then Christian Fulton I'm a little bit lower on him um, than maybe some other people I've got him in the second round but I can understand him going in the first round as well because once you kind of get past CJ Henderson that next group of cornerbacks is kind of jumbled for me with you know Clemson's AJ Terrell Utah's Jalen Jackson or Jalen Johnson TCU's Jeff Gladney I mean there's there's a bunch of guys Auburn's Noah Igbenogany as well um, so there's a handful of corners that could fall into that next group. It wouldn't surprise me if Christian Fulton is one of them. Um, so you're looking at possibly five first-round picks. I don't think Clyde Edwards-Alaire or, or Lloyd Cushenberry cracked that that top 32, but um, those would be the next two guys beyond the five that I mentioned. I, I think Christian Fulton, um, I think our own Chris Trapasso actually compared him to Tredavious White, but I think he's more comparable to what we saw from Greedy last year and, and greedy was a second round pick so um that's kind of where i'm looking at for him to land very good and i know we've got some sleepers to cover we've got some overall historic things to touch on and we're going to do that on the other side of this break from the go 24 7 podcast okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome back to the Go 24-7 podcast. Thanks for listening, guys. Draft day just a couple days away from kicking off in what should have been Las Vegas. We should have been in Vegas hitting the strip for this, but instead we're all going to watch the virtual draft unfold uh, via Zoom, via Skype, via Microsoft Teams. Josh, what's your take 
first of all, on this virtual draft? And are we expecting this thing to go smoothly at this point? No, no, I don't, I don't <laughs> expect, uh, you know, 32 general managers to, to kind of come together. And, you know, we've heard all of the the normal human interactions on on Zoom kind of come out in the NFL virtual draft as well. We had some general managers that weren't muting their calls when when they were on the conference call, which you know I'm sure we can all uh, relate to that at some point in our lives. But these guys, I mean, they pick players for a living. They're not technological experts. So uh, and there's there's some older general managers in the league as well. They're going to be dealing with stuff that they had never seen before. So I don't think this is going to go off without a hitch. I know the draft kind of has this built-in um, pause, essentially, where if you're working on a trade and um, you don't think you're going to get it done in the allotted time that you have to make your selection, you can hit pause and, and take some more time to do that. But the counterpoint of that is, like you mentioned coming into this, I don't know that we're going to get done with this thing until one o'clock in the morning or possibly even later, because these teams get 10 minutes organically um, on the front end to make these picks as it is for 32 picks. So, I mean, you can do the math right there. You're looking at over you're looking at close to four or five hours just making picks straight up as it is. If you're throwing in, you know, commercial breaks and you're throwing in these pauses, you know, we could be here for a long time. So. It's going to be interesting. This is obviously a learning experience um, for everybody, but I would not, I do not expect it to go off without a hitch. I, I think there will be some some technological issues. Um, hopefully, Roger Goodell has like some Google Pucks or something in his basement because if I was in my basement delivering picks, the bandwidth would be so bad. I mean, I'd probably make you know half of the first round picks. And they'd have to cut to a studio somewhere and have somebody reading it off. But um, the reality is, I I don't think you can get as many people that are going to take part in this um, to do it cleanly. If if I had to guess. Yeah, I, I am uh, very very intrigued to see how this goes. But hey, in terms of it going a long time, I guess you know one of the more common expressions right now is, well, what else do we have to do? <laughs> we don't really have any else going on so uh nfl draft go ahead uh take all the time you want uh clyde edwards Hilaire, somebody that's rising up draft boards no longer a sleeper and i think any lsu fan listening to this says well yeah we know of course that we saw what he did this year uh, at lsu and his ability to catch the ball run the ball do all those things what are your thoughts on him as a pro prospect because i think while teams at the end of the first round maybe outside the chiefs don't need a running back. I think there's a chance somebody could trade up into that first round. He could become a first round pick, but in reality, I think somebody's going to get really good value for him uh, whenever they do take him off the board. Yeah, DeAndre Swift is still my top running back, but Clyde Edwards-Alaire I think is is my second. In our CBS Sports aggregate board, we've got him at number 57. He's actually a little bit higher um, for me because of he does everything well. I mean, there's there's basically nothing that he does not do well. He's good in pass protection. He's a great pass catcher. Um, you know, he's he's got good vision. He's laterally quick. He's got everything that you look for at the running back position. And then you combine that with the will to succeed, which I know LSU fans are familiar with. This guy has an insatiable passion for the game, and he's not going to settle for anything less than success. So I would love to see him in Tampa Bay personally because 
I know his work ethic combined with Tom Brady's uh, would be pretty special. They'd be able to be on the same page early. The Rams are another team that could be in the mix for running back as well. They, they lost Todd Gurley this offseason, um, so they have an opening there. I think this is the sweet spot for the, for the running back position in the second round. You see J.K. Dobbins, uh, Jonathan Taylor, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, uh, possibly even DeAndre Swift and, and some of these other guys, Zach Moss, Cam Akers. You could see them all kind of go in the second round when teams look to fulfill that position. The, the running back position is not as valued across the NFL as it once was. So I, I think a lot of teams will probably wait until the second round to address the position. However, I could understand maybe a team like the Chiefs taking a running back at the end of the first round because uh, we talk about needing to build your team before you throw in the running back. You want to have the quarterback in place. You want to have the, the offensive line in place. The Chiefs, I mean, they're coming off a Super Bowl. This is the definition of luxury. If there is one team that can afford to take a running back in the first round, it's the Chiefs. So I could see them possibly taking a running back. Um, and the fifth-year option is so valuable as well because we're, we're getting to a point where teams don't feel comfortable giving those large second contracts uh, to running backs in today's NFL. So for me, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, I love him. I love everything about him. I know he's going to succeed. But I think probably the second round is is ultimately where he lands. You and I talked before this call about another player that I, I think you kind of have the potential to see him go earlier than maybe I, I do. And that's Sadiq Charles, who was really one of the best offensive tackles in the SEC the last two years. Really strong, a really good athlete. I personally see him as somebody who could be an all-pro guard if he gets his head on straight. Where do you see him, and how much do you think the off-the-field and the coach's decision on suspensions and things like that play into his draft stock? Oh, yeah, it's it's very much an issue, especially this year with, you know, we have a lot less um, – a lot less clarity on a lot of issues, you know, whether it's medical or character. Teams are na- not able to get out and have the kind of conversations with people that they would have had in the past. Um, so some of that stuff is going to be pretty detrimental to where he is ultimately taken. We have him number 157 on our CBS aggregate big board. I would not be surprised if he was taken in the third round because of the reason that you said. I mean, he has all pro kind of upside at the position, but at the same time, you said something else there that was important too. He, he's got some issues that he needs to take care of. So if he's able to stay clean and do everything that he needs to do, this is a high value pick, um, possibly even in the third round. I think, you know, he's kind of in that next wave of, of offensive linemen, possibly even, even an offensive tackle. They've got a Charles Leno comparison on him. I think Chris Trapasso put that one on him as well. Um, but he has long-term starter, in the NFL kind of potential, but it's how much he wants it. I mean, this is, this is simply kind of the opposite of, of what we've seen from Clyde Edwards, Alary. you kind of know his determination. We don't know that with city Charles. So if he's able to keep his head on straight and do what he needs to do to be a professional, I think he could have a really long and successful NFL career. And there's close to 20 how of you guys that could end up being taken in this draft. I think the number for me is probably around 14. How many do you think end up being taken in this draft? And and just kind of put that into perspective historically for us a little bit. Yeah, so 
if we're looking at 255 picks, that would mean I've got 15 Tigers slated to be taken, and then I've got Stephon Sullivan um, going at 267. But I could easily see him in the in the you know in the draft as well because he offers a lot of upside. His his production was fairly limited at LSU, but at the same time, um, you know he he's he's pretty raw. He you see the talent when you see him on film, so. I think there's a possibility you could even get 16 in this draft class, which, you know, I don't I don't know the record all time, but I know Alabama had uh, 10 selected in 2017, which for them was a record at that time. I haven't seen what they've done here in the past couple of years. I'd have to explore that. But um, you're talking about 10 at Alabama kind of being, you know, their the, the bar, the expectation for them um, to get 16, I mean, would be remarkable. I can't imagine any team having put more than 16, more than 15 or 16 players in the NFL in one NFL draft class. I think that's probably going to be something to watch. It could be potentially historic um, as we work through this. You know, I, it, I have probably 15 comfortably being drafted um, with Michael Divinity being the 15th, he's obviously got some uncertainty that teams are going to have to get to the bottom of as well. But I think they're comfortably going to get 14 um, and could get as much as 16, which I would imagine has to be some kind of a record. Yeah, it could be a historic night for LSU in a big way. Uh, we'll be watching it uh, on our end. And, of course, you guys over at CBS Sports do a great job covering it all. We'll look forward to your last mock draft on Wednesday coming out, Josh, and uh, get some rest after all this. I know it's uh, it's going to be a long, long weekend for us, but it should be fun. No question, man. Thank you for having me on and, uh, you know, stay safe. Yeah, you too. Thanks for joining us on the Go 24-7 podcast.